Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 93. I am, of course, Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. How's it going, man? Do we... Do we... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're okay we're all right we're we're here we are we're uh yeah yeah we're here we're good we're alive we're alive and and it's interesting because you come out of these these times of of struggle and these times of hardship and trials and tribulations and you're thinking all right it is all downhill from here we are we are going to coast for a while and then something happens and it's just like psych (laughs) Well, that happened. <laughs> that happened. And, and so, like, it, we're, we're not going to get into all that nonsense today. No. But, no. you know, obviously, we are fine. We're just life. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, life happens. And and you have, you have issues within your family, issues within your church, issues within just the people around you, and, and personal issues and kind of inward struggles that, that we're dealing with. And... You know, uh, someone asked me the other day, he said, how you doing, man? I said, you know, honest answer or just my normal generic answer? I'm like, well, honest answer, of course. I'm like, I'm surviving. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm getting through. And and I think that's okay sometimes, is just to be honest, to be like, you know what? We're surviving. We're, we're making it. And and, yeah. uh, and that's by the grace of God. That's not anything that, you know, without him, I balled up in a car- corner somewhere probably right yeah. like you're drunk i don't know right. <laughs> but but yeah it's it's and we've both for various very different reasons oh yeah just had some yeah. oddities over the last few months there's there's a a little video clip that i send my wife every once in a while and i, I think it's from a video game it looks like a video game and it's this clip of it's it looks like it's inside like a castle Excellent graphics. Looks great. And it's this knight in full full suit get up, long sword, and he's like he's like partially kneeling. You can you can tell he's out of breath. He's got dead bodies all over the place. <laughs> and there's like a couple knights behind him staggered everywhere. And he he's slowly standing up and like he flips his head around and it peers to the gate and there's a bunch of like barbarians coming in. Like the next wave is coming in. And it peers back to just the, the the helmet. All you see is the helmet. He's a crusader. And, like, you, you can tell just, like, <sighs> but then he lifts his sword up, <laughs> halfway staggering, and he, and he gets ready, and so do the other knights behind him. And it, it's just that sense of, <sighs> all right, <laughs> all right, let's do it. Here we go. And, yeah, I, I send that to my wife every once in a while. I'm like, all right, I'm... I've hit this moment. I'm I, I, I'm, I am tired. Yeah. I, I want to be done, but I know there's work to be done. So yeah, for sure. All right, let's do it. I, just thinking through a, a lot of things these last few weeks, and and trying to. Oh, what did what did what did Emily send me? She sent me something that like a while back. I, I told you about this, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna read the caption on it because I think it's very applicable. Says when you start feeling your feelings for the first time, because apparently healing means you have to actually move through emotions and not just avoid and distract. Mm. My wife is very wise. She's very wise, and I just I, I sent I said I sent back I said well that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives a little insight into my world, a little insight into Austin's world. We're fine, obviously. Like we're 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 doing okay. We're just 
we're surviving right now, and, and we're living to fight another day, and, and we're, we're doing so. On we're to the next battle. On to the next battle. So today, episode number 93, I, I guess we could say this too, just pray for us, right, if you guys are yes. out there listening. Um, obviously, we're not going to get into specifics, but just, you know, pray for mental health, pray for physical health, mm-hmm. pray for spiritual health on, on all three fronts for all of us, because yep. that's kind of what we need on all... All fronts, really. I got bit by a spider. (laughs) So that was cool. (laughs) On the physical side of things, I, you know, I decided to get bit by something that caused my leg to swell up. Did it go down? Yeah, oh, yeah. I I was on very strong antibiotics for a week. Oh, you did go? Yeah. Oh, man. It just kept getting bigger. You might have got hit by brown recluse. Yeah. Got bigger. Got it drained with needles. So that was fun. Probably a brand enjoyed enjoyed that. Wow. See, <laughs> as a guy he, with as a guy with Brad tattoos, didn't tell me any of this. I just found out right now, and like we do a podcast every week. <laughs> as, as a guy Come with on, ta- Brad. as a guy with tattoos, you think I would wouldn't be upset with needles? I was not a fan of what he was doing to my <laughs> leg on that, in that moment. But uh, oh man, yeah. So that was that was my physical side of things, but it's healed almost. Good. It's all good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I think it was important at the time. I don't know. Oh, my leg man. didn't fall off. We're, we're all right. My leg is rotting. It's fine. <laughs> so if you if you think about it, if you listen to us enough, and you kind of know who we are, and at least have, or, or if you actually do know who we are, but or know us through the podcast, think about us. Pray, pray for us. Like I said, mentally, physically, spiritually, just kind of all health yeah. encompassed things to just kind of pull us through the season that we're in right now, and and get out the other side to. Get some sunshine. Get excited about things kind of being on the uptick, and then it falls down again. But <laughs> <laughs> kind of like to go into the next battle, you know, well fed, and yeah, rested, rested, and, and not staggering. Yeah, maybe maybe dry the blood off, you know. So yeah, anyway, this week, <laughs> episode number ninety three, <laughs> we are going to talk, uh, dive back into First Timothy three. We're going to try to finish it up. Yeah, we say that a lot. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but we we've started. A few weeks back, I think this is our third episode in chapter three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone through verse seven, and we're going to start with verse eight today. We kind of got through verse seven. We, we didn't really, I think Austin mentioned well we, before we started recording, that we didn't really like camp out on verse seven, but we talked enough throughout that we alluded to it enough, and, and we kind of got a good idea. So go back, listen to the first two parts of chapter three if you need a refresher, or if you don't, if you haven't listened to it yet. Go continue, you know, get into verse or chapter three. Yeah, get get through that, and and then jump back into this episode, and we'll kind of be in verse eight, and and maybe get through it, maybe not. We'll kind of see what goes on, but uh, that is kind of the game plan for today. So let's dive into chapter three, verse eight. Austin, why don't you uh, read verse eight through the end of the chapter, and we'll we'll jump back up and finish it out. Sweet. What do you want it out of? Do you want ESV or do you want it out of my Matthew Henry commentary from the 1600s? Well, we always use ESV. We both pretty much consistently use that. So if we want to shake it up a little bit, Let's shake it. Feel, Let's... feel free to go Matthew Henry. Now, is this, you said it's the commentary. Is this a commentary or is this? So this, no, this is. What does he do? This is scripture. Okay. But all it's right. not like, not your King James style. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. If I go. feel like it's. Too much. Chew up there. I'll go back and reread it. Thou doth sayeth. Mm. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, sure. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Starting verse 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave, 
not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy liqueur, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own household, house, house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree, and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave, thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in, and without controversy, great in the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I like that. It uses a little bit of different word and verbiage that we'll be going through with the ESV, which I like. So when, when we're going through it verse by verse, I'm, I'll bounce back and forth to kind of get deeper into you know what the filthy liqueur or um, deacons <laughs> well, to be grave. The, yeah, the word grave was the first thing that popped to my mind is like, okay, what does that mean? In the ESV, it says be dignified, mm-hmm. being dignified. So yeah, jump into verse 8. I'll read it from the ESV. Uh, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, and not greedy for dishonest gain. Mm-hmm. We have... I think done a decent job throughout this chapter of talking about the not addicted to much wine yeah. aspect. We we spent some time on that. Talked about the greed and, and talked about that and, and the dishonest gain. I think we hit that pretty well. But I think the two new concepts here, or at least the two new words or, or, or the verbiage that's used, it's a little different from elders, is the dignified and not double-tongued. Yes. So let, let's kind of... You know, maybe expound on that just for a minute. What does it mean to be dignified? Is that another term for above reproach? Is that another term that we can kind of syn- is synonymous with above reproach? Yeah, and <clears throat> so dignified. The the definition is serious in mind and character, taking spiritual things seriously. Um, going going to the the version I'm using with the Matthew Henry commentary, grave. To be grave in the way you approach things. Matthew Henry commentary, it says, They must be grave, or serious, prudent men. So being prudent, being dignified, being grave. Being able to approach all of these different scenarios within the church. And being able to stay grounded. I mean, yeah. as we continue yeah, yeah. further into this passage. But being, being completely founded on scripture. And they're not straying to and fro, but they are they are truly able to have a serious mind and all these things. And I don't think it means having all the answers immediately. No. Right? Like yeah. but it, it does mean that the answers they give to the situations that arise, whether it's someone asking for advice, whether it's a conflict within the church, whether it's you know, some sort of issue that has come up within the church body as a whole, the answers they give are rooted in Scripture, and they're rooted on the gospel, right? Yes. And and other things that Paul has written and, and that Jesus taught. 
and, and even going back to the Old Testament, go, rooted in some of the the foundations and some of the the, yeah. the laws that were implemented in the Old Testament. The because you got to yeah. think, yeah, you got to think through that. That's the Bible they had at that time, mm-hmm. right? Was they had the Old Testament, and so being dignified, like you said, it, it's it's being we we see this here being sober minded, being of sound mind and sound doctrine. Yeah, know the scriptures and, and being okay with saying okay. This is not something I've necessarily dealt with yet. I think this is a very big thing for for people, especially in today's day and age, in the information age. Being able to say, I don't know right now. Mm. Let me study. Let me pray. Let me dig into scripture. Let me figure out what the Bible says about this, and and then we're going to talk. Yeah. And actually do that, by the way, as a deacon. Right. Actually do it, right? Like, seek counsel Mm -hmm. from from elders and from, from the pastor, but more importantly, most importantly... Seek it in scripture. Oh, yeah. And make sure that whatever answer you give, whatever solution you have, whatever you come up with is rooted and grounded in the Bible. Yes. And as being in that position as deacon, as elder, you need to be fully equipped and ready for when people, not if, but when people come to you asking these questions. Either they're just biblical questions saying, hey, I'm, I'm wondering about this topic or about this doctrine, about this theology. You don't know the answer. You say, that's a good question. Let me do some research and I'll come back. Or, yeah, let's talk about it. The other side of more of your counseling type deals. You know, you you have these issues arise within the church. And the elders are like, okay, this is not a like super, super major issue. I'm going to send one of our deacons to go talk to these people. If it's not something that truly needs an elder, but even just the elders, you know, you need to be equipped and ready for a lot of these a lot of these issues within the churches, mentally, physically, spiritually, definitely spiritually. Yeah. I, I think that's... Well, they're all tied together. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked just in our opening about praying for us, for our mental health, our spiritual health, our physical health. They're all tied together. Yeah. You know, you you take... Even, even those who aren't believers, even those who don't, you know, follow Christ and follow the Bible or, or think of it as whatever, they understand that mental health and physical health go hand in hand. Yeah. As believers, we understand, and as Christians, we understand that our spiritual health ties into that as well. That when we're not right with God, when we're not in the Word, we're not rooted and grounded in Scripture, and we forget who we are, who He is, and we forget our place, yeah, and we forget our worth. I mean, because you know we do have worth and we do have value in the eyes of our Creator, yeah, or else Jesus wouldn't have come, right? Right. But when we forget our place, we forget our theology, we forget where we stand, who He is. Our physical health can suffer too. Our mental health will suffer as well. You know, I found in, in times where I'm struggling with with the mental side of things, a lot of times that coincides with my spiritual life not being in a good spot. I would I would I would go as far as to say as 100 percent of the time. Yeah, like it, it, there's something not there's a disconnect somewhere in my relationship with him. Yeah, and and I need to work through it, figure it out. Through the Holy Spirit, through studying, through talking to people, through seeking counsel, mm-hmm. where is that disconnect? What yeah. is stopping that, and what is causing these other issues? For me, I, I go right into, you know, we love because he loved us first. So, if you are not loving people the way you should, uh, at, like I said, if your spiritual life is lacking, the rest of your life will be lacking as well. Um, when you are not in the Word and deepening your relationship with Christ— your marriage is going to be suffering. Your relationship with your kids are going to be suffering. Your relationship with your friends, your parents, what have you, they will suffer. 
And you start sitting back, you're like, why is this going on? It's like, oh, well, I'm not devoting the true relationship I need to to Christ. Right. And once you start getting that in order, it is amazing, literally amazing, just how everything starts to fall back into place. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's exactly, and that's what it means to be Sorry. Dignified. Dignified. Or <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> I, well, yeah, I went somewhere else. But yeah. dignified and, and, and being grave is knowing when to be serious, knowing when to take things seriously. Yeah. And, and how to handle these situations that are serious and that yeah. deserve respect and attention. Yes. And the other side of that of not being too serious. Of we, course. We, we see this where... You get into stuff like this, and you're like, I need to be serious all the time. This is a serious matter. This is salvation. This is people's souls we're dealing with. I have to be serious 100% of the time. It's like, okay, yes, extrapolating, yes, that's what this is talking about. For serious issues, for serious matters, which people's soul is a serious issue, you need to be serious. Be dignified. Be grave. But don't let that zap your joy from your your everyday life, but especially your relationship with Christ and other people. We are to be joyful. We're, we're to be able to come at God's word, to present God's word to people in a very joyful, glad way. Galatians 6.1, it's when you find a brother or sister in transgression, you restore them with kindness, and but you're doing it through joy and gladness as well. So yes, dignified being an, and serious of mind, knowing, and basically what it is is, you know how important this is. So therefore, you're not going to let trifle issues, no offense, but the football games on TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, again, levity goes a long way. Of course, but, yeah. But keeping what's serious, serious, and letting jokes be, be jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So double-tongued. Mm-hmm. So being dignified, being, being double-tongued, not being not double-tongued. Double tongued. Yeah. So... I mean, my, the first thought that pops into my head when I hear this is the idea of saying one thing and doing the exact opposite. Yep. And 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 or even saying one thing in a church setting, but saying something else in another setting. Yep. So it's not only hypocrisy, right? Where you say you believe one thing, you teach this, you teach that, and on some level, we all have quote-unquote hypocrisy in us right. because we right. all sin, right? We all do things that go against our beliefs right. and, and our stated beliefs. We all do things that are because we're sinful. Right. However, there's obviously a difference between having a hypocritical moment and being a total hypocrite. hypocrite right. And I think that's what he's talking about here is being that total hypocrite of, of either you're saying this, preaching this, teaching this, and then doing that, or you're saying this to this group of people, you're saying that to this group of people. Right. Right, and you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, trying to make everybody happy. That could be part of this, right? Yeah. There's so many facets to this. I think there's so many because yeah. I do think it, it, it's the hypocrisy. It, it can be the I'm trying to make this group of people like me and happy and say what they want to hear. Yeah, but this group wants to hear something else. So I'm gonna say that, and they contradict each other. Yeah, and, and that's it. And because I would even put it under the characterization of lying and deceit. Yeah. Because I mean, that's literally what you're doing. You're saying one thing to another. You're saying something else to someone else. And scripture literally speaks on this everywhere, but more concisely it says, let your yes be your yes, let your no be your no. Yeah. Um, let your word be your word. There, there's a reason why Jesus says, do not swear on anything. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Do not have to put yourself in a situation where 
no one's going to believe you and they're going to say, okay, what, how, how will I know you're going to follow through and do this? It's, you just go back and say, well, I'm going to do it because my word is my bond. Right. Literally, this goes back centuries, but it goes back scripture. If you're going to say you're going to do something, you do it. If you tell somebody something, you're going to stick to it and you're going to tell that same thing to someone else. And that's just, we have to do that. Right. Now, okay, take the scenario of, especially with us, as we're going through Scripture. I mean, our as we've gotten deeper in our theology, as we've gotten deeper in Scripture, our views have changed on, on a, some things here and there. And some things we'll probably have to go back and say, hey, we, we did a, an episode, which we, we might have to do that, <laughs> but we did an episode on XYZ, and... Uh, as we go deeper into scripture, we, we've realized, you know, we, we, I think we were wrong. I think that's a very important thing for people, especially teaching scripture. Yeah. But I think that's a good characteristic for anybody to be able to go back and say, hey, I, I was wrong. This is the, this is the answer. Um, this, this is what I believe to be the answer. But to be able to go back and, and to not be so arrogant and proud of yourself to be able to say, yeah, I, w- I was wrong. I mean, you see that on... Just on a political level, you see people like the pe- some of the people I listen to, like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh, and some of those guys, where they'll be like, "Look, we've been doing this stuff for eighteen, nineteen, twenty years. You really don't think I've said things that I wish I hadn't? Yeah. You really don't think my beliefs have changed a little bit from when I was eighteen to when I'm forty? Oh yeah. Like you don't think there's some differences there? There should be. Yeah. Right. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to. Especially if you you go into the the scripture side of things, you should your your views, your thoughts, your opinions should grow and change. Right. As like Austin said, you dive deeper and you dig into it. I'd be interested to see what I wrote in Bible college when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah. I can't uh, for various reasons. Uh, one of which because all of my electronic devices are not in my possession from that time frame. Go listen to the Butt God episode if you don't understand <laughs> that reference. Have you but still not got them back? No. It doesn't matter. I don't even care anymore. It's fine. <laughs> but like I don't have access to that. But I'd be really curious to see like the, some of the papers I wrote. Yeah. Uh, how my views have changed. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I think through a lot of like the reformed theology that I've really dived into over the last few years, and I'm like, man, that is so different than what I used to think and how I used to feel. Yeah. But as I've gotten deeper, I feel like, man, a lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense. Right. Even from a logical standpoint, it makes a lot more sense. And so, yeah, your views should be changing as you grow deeper. Yeah. I don't want to say this, too, when it comes to double-tongued. I don't want you to, to hear me say you can't change your approach to different people. Right. Right? Different groups of people require different approaches. Yes. But the truth, the core of your message should be the same. The answer should be the across same. Across the board. Yeah. But your approach might be different. You might use a little more humor with this group over here than you would with this group over here. Blat- blatant example. Yeah. You go on to this side, or a conservative side, and say, yes, uh, homosexuality is wrong. It's sinful. This is in scripture where it, it is wrong. Then you go to this side, which is more liberal, and be like, actually, homosexuality is okay. Jesus, Jesus that would be loves a it. bad example. That was a... An example of being, being double tongued. Yeah, that's what I meant. So. I'm thinking you change your approach, but your truth stays the same. Yes. So yes. where you are in a conservative group, you look at them and say, and you are very blunt and you're very clear and concise about what scripture says about it. Yeah. And you're on a more liberal side, you might take a more graceful approach in your verbiage, right? right? So you might be a little more tactful 
with this group right. while still speaking the truth. Yeah. You, you, do you know what I mean, though? We like, can, Brad finding and I that can balance. talk to each other and say, you deserve hell. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then go to someone else who doesn't know anything and be like, all right, I'm going to season this with a lot of salt. Exactly. And that, yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about. Not You don't compromise the truth in your right. approaches to different groups of people. Exactly. The truth stays the same, but how you approach the truth might change a little bit because you, you need to be a little more tactful in this area with right. this group of people. You know, uh, so many different examples, but that's a good one. The homosexual example. Being double-tongued, hey, it's wrong, it's it's in the Bible, it's a sin. Oh, hey, God loves everyone, accepts everyone. You, you do you, bro. Yeah. There's a different way yeah. to do that and still have the truth in there. Say, look, I love you. God loves you. Come as you are to the Father. But he's going to change you because that's not the design. That's yeah. not how this was designed to be. Exactly. And so as you grow closer to Christ, your desires are going to change. And he's going to do that. Yeah. So, yes... I don't agree with your lifestyle. I believe it is not what the Bible mandates. I believe it's not what God had in, in mind. Right. But I love you. Yeah. As opposed to when you talk to a group of people who already agree with you, you can say, look, guys, this is wrong. Black and white. Here it is. They need to change. Yeah. But on this side, you're saying, look, God is going to do something in your life and you're going to change because yeah. of it. I think, okay, perfect example. When you read through scripture and you read through the letters that Paul sends to people, okay? The church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, these letters to Timothy. He is so upfront, above board. Here are your issues. Here's the things you're doing good. Don't do these anymore because <laughs> these people won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Because he wrote them to the church. He wrote exactly. them to be written written he wrote them to be read in front of the make, believers. Are you making up new words again? Yeah, probably. Okay. It's fine. I'm going to come up with my own dictionary. It's fine. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he wrote them to be read in front of the believers, not in front of the unbelievers. Exactly. And, and that's it. If, he, if these letters were to be read in front of the town square, in front of a mix of believers and unbelievers, the unbelievers, unless God drew them there that's a different topic then they'd be like excuse me <laughs> yeah and they'd walk out they'd be gone exactly these are for believers to be able to read through to as later he says you know scripture is for rebuking for reproof for teaching for admonishing all exhorting all these things they're for the believer so so when you're speaking to believers versus unbelievers the, yeah there's there's a different approach for that so finishing up verse eight not addicted to much wine we've we've done we have talked about that extensively in a previous episode when talking about elders same with greedy for dishonest gain being a deacon being an elder being a pastor is not to line your pockets with money you're not you're, you're not if you to do be it well greedy. you're not going to be wealthy exactly I do find it interesting. It says, not greedy for dishonest gain. So can you be greedy and not for dishonest gain? I don't think so. No. I, 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 there's a reason <laughs> why Paul can. put them together. Yeah. If you're greed, it, greed is not a good thing. Greed, greed is being sinful. But when you're greedy, it's going to be for a dishonest gain. Right. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. It could, it could be Twinkies. You could be greedy with Twinkies. And it's going to be for a dishonest gain, no matter what it is. So verse 9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Mm. I wanted to consult my MacArthur commentary about this particular verse and realized uh, it has been stolen by one Carter. (laughs) 
he probably won't listen to this episode. Long term borrowed. Carter. <laughs> uh, anyway, but so what does Matthew Henry have to say about holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience? Yes. First, I'll read the way it's presented in in this version. Then I'll read his his sublet. So, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, found blameless. And then he says, the mystery of faith will never appear respectable among men unless held in a pure conscience. Conscience. I always get that mixed up. Conscience. So, I love it. Faith will never appear respectable among men unless held in a pure conscience. Having men that are so devoted to the word of God. And again, this this puts so much on the deacons, so much on the elders and pastors for good reason. And it's a good thing. Um, Going back to... Uh, the beginning of chapter one, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. He desires a noble task. And later in James, it talks about not everyone should be teachers. Here's why. And for someone to be in the appointment of deacon and elder, and right now deacon, of keeping the word of God on your mind all the time and having a pure conscience, as in you're in prayer you're in you're not only in God's word but you're in prayer you're going to God all the time seeking for his will all the time asking for what you're reading to be his his understanding of the way he had it written and not yeah. the way you're understanding it but it's always keeping it at the forefront I, I like the phrase the mystery of the faith because mm. I, I, there, there's obviously things we're not gonna understand. When it comes to God, when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to his plan of salvation, there, there are things that we just cannot comprehend as mere mortals, right? Like right. his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so far above us. He is operating on such a higher level than we are that there are things we just don't get. I mean, one of the, I mean, just a basic example for me is I, why me? Why am I why do you look at me and see someone who is worthy of of your son's life? Yeah. I don't understand that because I'm not worthy of that. Yeah. Bible makes that very clear. Yeah. Paul makes that very clear. And so that's one of the mysteries of the faith is why us? Why mm-hmm. why someone as sinful who has rejected you time and time again? Why do you still pursue me? Yeah. I don't understand it. You know, we we tongue in cheek we use that illustration way back when we first started this podcast of of me pushing Carter down the stairs. <laughs> At some point, he stops being my friend because I keep pushing him down the stairs. In that same vein, as in human terms, if I keep wronging you over and over and over again, eventually that relationship ends, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. And yet, with God, we mess up constantly. Just and go yet, to the Old Testament. <laughs> His and, relationship with Israel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But with we mess up constantly, and yet yeah. he's still there. He still says, no one's going to pluck you out of my hand. Mm-hmm. Once you're there, you're there. And, and that, that, to me, is something I'll never understand. We don't understand yeah. the Trinity. There's so many things about God we just don't fully understand. And we're not going to understand this side of heaven. And we maybe won't when we get to heaven. I don't know. But that's the mystery of the faith. Yeah. Well, and to put it um, a- applicably... Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse thirteen. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened to this day. When they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, as we read Scripture with an unveiled face through Christ, again, going uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the understanding that we get from Scripture is from the Holy Spirit within us. Mm-hmm. This is the mystery. Yeah. The mystery that everyone throughout the Old Testament did not quite get because they had a veiled face. All in literally what Paul says in Corinthians 2, still to this day, they have a veiled face. Their hearts are veiled. They can't understand these things. But that we have Christ and the Holy Spirit within us, our our hearts are unveiled. And we're able to read these mysteries, and it is the job of the deacons to hold fast to them. Yeah. And I think this has an element of, like First Peter 3.15 says, mm. knowing essentially knowing what you believe, why you believe it, and having a defense. I think that is part of this, too. That is kind of, that invokes some of this apologetics yeah. into this, is that, yes, they hold to the mystery of faith, with a clear conscience. They know what they believe. They know why they believe it. Yes, there are things they don't understand fully. Yeah. But they know it. They understand it. They believe it. And they hold fast to it. They know why they believe it. Yes. And so deacons, just like elders, just like pastors, are firm in their faith. They have a defense for their faith. And they're not going to be shaken from it. They're not going to be tossed around by the waves of the world. They're not going to be tossed around by the winds of fluffy doctrine and things that sound good to our ears and things that make us feel the warm and fuzzies. They are going to stand firm in the faith on the truth, whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's not uncomfortable, no matter what, they know what they believe, they know why they believe it, and they hold fast to it. So yeah, this leads me to Titus chapter 1, verse 9. It says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. If you're holding to the mysteries, if you are being held accountable by the rest of the deacons, the rest of the elders, and by literally Paul and Timothy themselves holding to these mysteries, you are going to be able to teach these things, but you're also going to be able to contradict those who are trying to refute it and say, no, right. you're, you're wrong. This is why. Right. Apologetics. Yeah, absolutely. Apologetics. Very important. All right. So verse 10. All, and I like this, and, and this is something that we, mm. we've talked about a little bit, but I think we can dive into this a little bit more. And let them also be tested first. I do think we mentioned this, at least in the first part of, of 1 Timothy 3. They've been through it. Right? They 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 are experienced believers. They are not brand new Christians. They are not infants in the faith. They have cut their teeth on the word and on trials. Like yeah. they have been hardened. <laughs> they have calloused hands. They have calloused feet from the fights and from the battles that they've gone through. They have experienced life and have come out the other side victorious through Christ. That's that's the imagery I see immediately with this, yeah. is is the calloused hands, the worked hands, yeah, the, the 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 cuts and the scrapes and the scars and the blood. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. they've been through it. They've withstood all the arrows and the darts that have come their way through, from the from the enemy and from from all angles and all sides. And they've they've survived. Yeah, 
and their faith is intact. They're I think that's huge. The mi- They're mysteries. still holding fast to the mysteries. They they didn't go to college and come out a, an atheist, right. right? They didn't go right. to the secular schools and come out saying what God or or God's a woman or gender is fluid. Like they didn't come out of these indoctrination factories yeah. indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah. They may have gone into those places. They may not have. I don't know. It doesn't matter if you did or didn't, but they may have gone through those or they've been tested in other ways, but their right. faith is solid despite the challenges they faced. Yeah. I would even take it the step further, reading it, reading it this way. So verse 10, it says, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of deacon being found blameless. So I, I see it as also, yes, you're seeing their life. One, you've gotten to know them on a very personal level, but you're also testing them within the boundaries of your church. Uh, So the commentary, Matthew Henry, it says, It is not fit that public trusts should be lodged in the hands of any till they are proved and found fit for the business which with they are to be interested. So I, I could see it as this this time, this process time of say a year or six months, whatever, whatever it may be, but you're able to look at their life there. And as we get further, you're able to look at their wives, their, their children, look at their relationship with them. Um, and in case you guys didn't know, people can be very secretive <laughs> and you can see yeah. what they want you to see. And so you can go to church for six months and be, Oh yeah, this guy's really on board. I want him to start teaching and so on and so forth. I get very leery when I get to a church and the church is trying to get people into teaching positions without knowing their doctrine, without knowing their theology, without knowing their character, thinking that, well, I see them once a week on Sunday and they, they seem great to me. And I'm like, ooh, that's scary. Well, you have to dive into their life. You have yeah. to dive in and look at the way they are at home. You know, invite them to your home. Have them invite you to their home. See the inner workings. There's that testing period. It's, it is so important you, you can't just place someone in this role unless they've been proved. Right. Again, this goes back to earlier episodes talking about refining of gold. It's proved. It, it's proved. You got to throw it into the furnace and whatever is burnt off is the slag and just the, the garbage. And then whatever is left is the pure gold. And right. like Brad was talking about, being able to see these people and see the the battles that they've fought yeah it is very important but also being able to spend that time in their life with with their families being able to see that i i think is a very important thing yeah yeah i think that's something we need to be doing absolutely and and not only yeah it definitely goes a step farther than just seeing that they've been tested but it also like their character held up through those tests too exactly. doesn't mean they were perfect doesn't right. mean they didn't make mistakes here and there doesn't mean they didn't waver a little bit or lose a little balance but they they stayed essentially stayed the course right yes. and and in the midst of any kind of sin that that crept up because of the scenarios that they were put in they repented you see the repentance you see the 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 fruit of that repentance right yes and it's not a habitual thing the sin and whatever the ha- you know right. yes they have been proved they yeah. you look at them and, and we've said this multiple times when when they do mess up you look at them that surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, but then that's what, out what, of character. But then what for they, them. they do, you know, being able to see them yeah. say, they're the ones that step down and say, "Hey, I'm taking a six month leave of absence yeah. because of this." Because of the, yeah. And I'm, I'm, when I see that, I'm like, "Wow, 
okay, that speaks volumes to me of your character right. and your your wisdom in scripture. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so it, it's again, these are very high standards. These are very lofty standards, but it, it doesn't demand perfection. Right. Because it's not unrealistic in the standards, right? right? The standards are not unrealistic. The standards are very realistic. They can be achieved. Oh, yeah. They have been achieved for millennia, right? <laughs> for centuries. Yeah. High standards, not perfection. I just want i want to make sure we understand that, too. There is grace within these qualifications. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and for me, my pet peeve is when you get a church that is willing to forego on these qualifications. And they're... They they have the mindset which is realistic of you know well there's no one here that meets the qualifications okay yes that's a very that's very real my response is okay well the bar has been set by God do not lower the bar keep the bar there if there's no one to fill those roles trust in God and be patient and yeah. if you are staying true to God's word He will send you somebody yeah absolutely yeah absolutely verse eleven yeah. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified or grave, not slanderers, mm. but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Yes. We've talked about this we have. a decent amount when when looking at elders and qualifications of elders. Talked about the wives and, and their role and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, it, this goes to <laughs> I don't to have show. a lot to say on this because I'm not married, so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, and you don't have to because Scripture speaks. Yeah. So... And what it says is, as a wife of a deacon, or you know, wife of a pastor, wife of an elder, they have a job too. It's not a, hey, my, my husband is the deacon, I don't have to do anything. It's like, uh, no, no, you actually have a very high responsibility as well. And um, I'll just go to Matthew Henry. Uh, he says, their wives likewise must be of grave behavior, not slanderers, tale-bearers, Carrying stories to make mischief and sow discord. Mm. They must not be given to any excess, but trusting in all committed to them. So the the qualifications for the wife of a deacon are very high. Yeah. <laughs> the wife of the deacon, the wife of the pastor, the wife of the elder is not going around and causing dissension oh within the goodness. church. Yes. Right? Not going behind the pastor's back or behind anyone else's back and saying, Do you hear this? Do you hear that? Let's sow some disunity here. Mm -hmm. Like, well, there's it, none of that. It could not even be on the total, I'm doing this for this purpose. I am sh I am sharing this information knowing full well that it's going to completely disrupt everything. Sure, I, I will give the benefit of the doubt. But that's what it's saying is going to happen. Right. And and it goes into gossip. Gossip is sin. Tailbearing is sin. Do not spread these things. They're 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 bad. They're bad. They're a very bad thing. Don't do that. When talking about the, you know the slander or the story, the tale telling and and the gossip and that sort of thing, let's remember how important unity within the body of believers is to to Christ, to Jesus, to 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 Paul, and, and to the church as a whole. We are to be unified with each other as a body of believers. So much so that when we come to like the Lord's Supper, when we come to communion, we are to make sure that we are unified as a body of believers. If you have something against your brother, someone has something against you, you fix it. You you fix that before you come to the altar of the Lord. You deal with those issues because it is so important to be unified as a group of believers. And you see that in Matthew 5, verse 23. It says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Because then, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Why? Why do you do that? Because whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is a serious issue. It's a serious thing. Yes. If there is something, and I say this a lot when I do community meditation at church, if there is something between you and another believer, you need to get that right. Mm-hmm. Whether you sinned against them, they sinned against you, whatever the case may be, if, if there is something that is causing you bitterness, causing anger, causing something in you that is hindering that communion with between you and God, you need to fix that. Yes. Because unity within the church body is so crucial, so important. You know, you see Paul throughout throughout his letters talking about being one body, many parts, one body, yeah. working in unison together. And so this idea that we see in 1 Timothy 3, talking about the deacon's wife, not being a gossiper, not being a slanderer, not being someone who stirs dissension within the body. Because what happens when the hand decides it wants to do something other than the foot is doing the body falls apart right Right. things don't work the legs stop working you stop walking whatever however far you want to take that analogy it is so important to be unified within the body understand your talents your gifts your roles understand your place your role within the church and stay unified don't gossip don't slander don't talk behind people's backs so prevalent today so prevalent and it's so easy to fall into. It is very easy. It's easy to do it without even realizing you're doing it well, it's in inter- the moment. It's interesting, is. too. They're not telling the deacons not to do this. They're telling the wives not to. This is a woman thing. Men are not caught up in, in gossiping for other people. We, we don't care. We don't care. Um, as a general rule, as there a are general exceptions. Rule, I, you, you tell us about things that are going on, sure, we'll, we'll be concerned. But if... <laughs> But as a rule of thumb, if it's gossip, most men will be like, ah, I, I, okay. <laughs> Again, this this is the reason why Paul is addressing the wife. But I also go back to, they have to be married. If they are not married, they are not able to, to see these things. They're not able to go to the church and be able to deal with issues with inside the church because they've never had to do it in their own home. It gets into verse 12 where it says, Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. Like we talked about going back to elders and pastors. Um, this this is talking about your, your sexual life. Having one partner. You are a one-woman man. You are married to one woman. Very important. Next is children. You have children. Going back to verse 4 of chapter 3, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? When we read through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he he refers to the people he's reading or writing to. Oh my goodness, it's getting late. (laughs) (laughs) Referring to the people he's writing to, he's calling them his little children. My, my beloved little children. In a lot of ways, I think that's what deacons and elders need to be looking at these people as. Yes, treating them as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is the reason why you have children before you are a pastor or an elder or a deacon, because then you're able to 
react and, and treat these people like children. Not in the sense of, you know, you, you go and talk like a baby to a baby. No. <laughs> right, right. You, even to our, our babies, we don't talk like babies. We, we speak to them as they're dignified, as respectful, and we're, we're teaching them real things. I'm not teaching my, my children m- meaningless things. It's, it is the same aspect with the deacons to the church. Absolutely. And then verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. So this is a, this is a faith building role oh, that yeah. they're in. Yeah. That if, if the deacon is doing what he's supposed to be doing and, and is fulfilling his duties the way God prescribes, his faith will grow. His confidence in Christ will grow. Mm. He will become more mature. He will be eating thicker steaks of the word, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he will be diving into it, and he will be blessed as well. I do think it, it, this verse specifically kind of talks about some of the benefits spiritually yes. from being a deacon. Your faith will be solidified, you will grow in Christ, and you will become more like him. Yes, Confidence and courage is, is big. I'll go back to Matthew Henry. Uh, the faithful discharge of this office would tend to increase their gifts and graces and to give courage in the professing their faith, in the courage, in the confidence. As they do this, as they exercise their job as deacon, they are going to become holy men. Of course, uh, we are called to be holy as as God is holy. For a, a deacon, for an elder, granted, I will preface for just men in general, but they are called to be holy. And to see a deacon, to see an elder, as they progress in their job, doing their job to the full extent, being qualified, you will see these men becoming holier mm-hmm. than the, what they used to be. Yeah. And again, it goes back to their being sanctified, but God is making them holy. Battle-tested, too. Ex- yeah. They are not only going through their own personal daily lives that, that can be detrimental to all of us at times, right? Yeah. They're also sharing the burdens of their congregation, Yeah, of the people they serve. They are shouldering some of that weight for them as well. I've seen that firsthand in the last few years and, yeah. and seen it with Austin as well. I mean, he's not necessarily a deacon in our church or an elder in our church, but like I've seen it with him shouldering the burdens and shouldering the weight of other people and, and being willing to do so. And it does. It produces such a mature faith that other, other it, it's incomparable to, uh, yeah. to any anything else, to any other experience you have. Yeah. Being able to not only take the weight that you have, but also to help shoulder the weight of others, it, it grows you exponentially. It, yeah, it, it yeah. does. And, and, you know, even if you're not a deacon, even if you're not an elder, being someone willing to do that, to yeah. biblically do that, will grow you in your faith. Yeah. Period. Well, and I, that's why I want to preface, because, yes, these are qualifications so that we, as the body, are able to look at these men and say, okay, are they able to fulfill these roles? Sure. But as the men, just as a Christian man, these are your qualifications as oh, well. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And there's a reason for the structure, for the pastor, for the elders, and then for the deacons. They are, in the, the old vernacular, they are the buttress, or the pillars, that literally the entire church sit on. And you cannot have just the elders, you cannot have just the deacons, or just the pastor. They have to fit together because all of them carry that weight. And it's distributed from the pastor, to the elders, to the deacons, and then to the laymen of yeah. the church. 
it is supposed to be structured this way. If you have a church that is solely run by the pastor, he's going to burn more out. Times than, yeah, he'll burn out, but in more out. times and ways, it'll, it'll fail. Yeah. If you have a, a church that is strictly run just on elders, no deacons, and the pastor is weak, then those elders are going to be burnt out, and they're not going to want to do it for very long. Yeah. But if you have everything working together, if you have the deacons and the elders and the pastor, these things are going to be working well. If you have the pastor's wife and the elders' wives and the deacons' wives that are doing what they're supposed to be doing biblically, oh my goodness. Church will explode. It will, it, in the good way. <laughs> yeah, 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 in a good way. Yeah. And I think, too, it, it's, I really like what you said, too. These are qualifications for Christians. Yes. In general, right? Yes, this is what is required of elders and deacons and pastors. However, as you mature in your faith, as you move from being a spiritual infant or an infant in Christ, you move towards being an adult in Christ, if we want to keep that analogy moving forward, you personally, whether you want to be a pastor, whether you're called to be an elder, called to be a deacon, your life will match these. Yes. Even if you're a lay person in your 80s who's been a Christian forever, you're still a lay person, you're not an elder, you're not a deacon, you're not a pastor, but you've been a Christian for years, your life should match these qualifications. Yes. So yes. it's not just for the elders, deacons, pastors. Yes. As you grow in Christ, you should look like these things. Period. When, when I, ugh, I need to calm down. I, I love this topic, um, talking about the the men in the church. Looking at these older men, as they are getting older, they are looking holier. Back in Leviticus, in Levitical law, it was a law that as a gray head walked in the door, the younger stood. They rose in reverence from the gray head coming in. Why? Because of the years that the gray head went through, because of the trials, because of the battles. I, I firmly believe we need to adopt this back in, but wanting to adopt it for the right reasons. To be able to go into a church and see these these elder men, these elder women, and they are holy they are holy men, holy women, truly searching the face of God. And these are the men and women that they walk into a room, I will, I'm going to stand. I will stand in, in, in reverence because of their relationship with God, because of their love for God, and because they are passionate about teaching the younger men to be, oh, oh my goodness, Titus 2. It's there. What are the older men supposed to be teaching the younger men? To be self-controlled. Self-controlled for the, for the older women to be teaching I went the younger so, women. I went sober-minded for a second there. They're but supposed yeah. to be that too, but yeah. <laughs> no, this is very important. And so going into the last the last section here, verse 14 and on, it, it reaffirms why. Why this is important. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar, a buttress of the truth. There is a reason why he wrote this down. One, yes, so that Timothy would have it on hand. But two, for us, as as we believe that this is the word of God, breathed out through Paul, and it is perfect and it is inerrant. These are not guidelines. These are qualifications. If you do not adhere to all of these, you are not qualified. Right. And he wanted to come to Timothy to tell him this in person. But again, what we believe, he was led by the Holy Spirit to write this. So now we have it. And in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. This is this is a pillar of the truth. First Timothy 
this is this is truth. So we need to be treating it as and such. And it's it's why pastors, elders, deacons are so important. Yes. It's why the church is so important. The church, Little C Church, is so important. The local church. Because we are to be that pillar of truth that is equipping those who are in it to go out and make disciples. To understand how we are to live in light of the gospel. To understand and break down the teachings of of, of Paul, of Peter, of of James, of John, to break those teachings down and say, this is how we are to live in light of the gospel, in light of the teachings that God has laid out for us and the instructions that God has laid out for us. And let's be honest, guys, like when we do these things, when we are living in lockstep with the scripture, when we're living in right relationship with God, whether that's through our personal, well, it, it, it should be through a personal connection with the Holy Spirit, through our personal devotion time, our personal reading yeah. and, and prayer and reflection, but in combination with a local church that is strong in their faith, that, that the deacons and the elders and the pastors are meeting these qualifications, they're teaching truth, they're teaching the gospel, they're teaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. When all those things line up, life doesn't get any better than that. Oh, my goodness. Heaven it doesn't. Earth. Yeah. It is the closest thing to heaven we can get this side of heaven. Yep. Because we're living in lockstep with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're living in lockstep, more importantly and most importantly, with Scripture and with what Christ has commanded us to do and how he's commanded us to live. Yeah. Life goes so much better. Yeah. Things <clears throat> go so much better. Those mental health issues that we alluded to earlier, those those spiritual health issues we alluded to earlier, the physical health issues, they all kind of fall in line. Obviously, it doesn't mean you're going to be free of all physical ailments. I'm not saying that or all... All right, Benny Hinn. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> We're not going that far. Yeah. But I'm saying it's the best life can get. Yes. When I do things my way, when I stray from this path and when I stray and go off to the left or the right into one of the ditches, life gets tough. Yeah. Things don't go well. And when things get tougher, I fold. When I am staying on the path, when I'm not falling to the left or to the right, and things get tough, because they will, in this world you will have trouble, yep. I can stay the course. Yeah. And I can handle it. And while it might not be easy, I'm going to be have joy through those moments. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. It's when you divert from the path. It's when you divert from these teachings, and you divert from these pillars and buttresses of truth, that things go awry, Yeah. and things don't go your way. <laughs> Well, and it's why it's so important to be in a church that you are surrounded by men that are holding true to these qualifications, even though they might not be elders or deacons. Why? Because these are the men that when, as as men, we shut down and we want to seclude. Um, as no. we go to no. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying and he's asking his disciples, pray with me. Well, what do they do? They do a very guy thing and they sit down, they start praying and they fall asleep. Why? Because that's what guys like to do. <laughs> we have weight upon us, and we shut down, and we get tired, and we want to go to sleep. Well, then we need other men to come knock on our door and say, what the heck are you doing? Right. Get up, go get a shower, come back out here, let's read some scripture, we're going to pray, and we're going to go do something. And, th- and that's what we need. And if you are surrounded by men at a church that are living to these qualifications, that is what will happen. Yeah. It's um, so much better to do it the right way. It is. It is. It co- it, it it it's easier said than done, of course. <laughs> right. But it's so much right. better, and and things are so much easier. Not that they're easy, but they're much easier. Much easier when you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done, and the way it's prescribed, and the way it's laid out. So many examples of that. Right. Exactly. In my own life. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Verse sixteen. We're gonna wrap it up here, guys. Real quick. I'm I'm a divert. Oh, I'm divert. gonna go Second Corinthians. 
Go to Second Corinthians. Th- this just pops in, in my head every once in a while. This is one of my uh, big verses for, for Rooted. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. That's why Brad and I do this. Hmm. That's why we do this. According to what is written, I believed, and so I spoke. We believe. We believe this, and so we speak on it. We don't live it out perfectly. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> yeah. We're going to fail. We're, we're going to have missteps. You know, I would go so far as to say we're going to fall flat on our faces at times. Oh, multiple times. But we believe, and we're going to speak, mm-hmm. and we're going we're gonna to confess our sin. We're, we're going to admit our shortcomings. We're going to admit when we messed up. We're going to correct ourselves. We're going to do it publicly if we need to. And we're going to keep fighting the fight. Yeah. And that's exactly it. That That is why we do this. We believe with every fiber of our being, we believe this is true. That's why it's so important to us. Because this is a matter of eternity. And, these and are souls we're talking about. These are souls we're talking about. It's, it's about growing deeper in our own belief, in our own faith, in our own theology, that we can then share it with others make disciples, teach those around us to dive deeper. And and ultimately what that does is that changes a culture. Not saying the two of us by ourselves are going to change a culture. I mean, we can if God allows it, but we can be a spark. This is where culture We can starts. be a seed this is where that's it planted. Starts. This is where it starts. It starts in your homes. It starts with you as an individual. If you're married, with you and your spouse. If you have kids, it's with you and your spouse and your kids. Teaching... <laughs> The truths and living by the truths of scripture. Yeah. And one person at a time, one day at a time, we can see change. We can see things take shape and and, and morph into something that resembles the kingdom of heaven. You ready for verse 16? Verse 16. Wrap it up. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, Believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Amen. Just a confession. Mm-hmm. I, I've read somewhere that, that this may have been a, a song of some sort mm. that that Paul is quoting. Uh, is there is there a passage he's quoting here? Do you see a cross reference in this? There's not. There's not. Yeah, I didn't see one either. Yeah, <laughs> I was making sure I didn't miss it. <clears throat> no. You know the mystery of godliness. I was reading on on one of these studies, kind of thinking through this. Is that the creed of First Timothy three sixteen concludes with the universal proclamation of the gospel, the conversion of the nations, and the glory of Jesus? It's not merely a second mentioning of Christ's ascension, but an assertion that He is glorified as His church spreads the good news across the globe. It is a very strong proclamation. Dr. McCar- John MacArthur says that godliness mentioned that the godliness mentioned in 1 Timothy 3:16 refers to the truths of salvation and righteousness in Christ which produce holiness in believers. Amen. Amen. Read read it again. Read verse 16 one more time. I think we should just leave it there. Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. So that is 1 Timothy 3. We hope you all have been blessed by this. and uh, Challenged. Challenged, for sure. Convicted. But in the meantime, 
Stay rooted. Stay rooted. We'll see you next week.